0: morning so we're going to take a little detour today and um, we're gonna since we were since we're having a baptism so I thought I would talk on baptism and what baptism is and what baptism means and you know where we get baptism from and um, and so yeah so that's what we're gonna do So, please, if you would, just open your Bibles, (laughs) because we're going to be going through different verses and different areas today. So, um, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and dig in. God... Lord, we just thank you so much that we can behold you seated on your throne. Lord, may we as your loved ones, as your beloved ones, those who are in Christ, those who Christ has redeemed, may we come to you today and adore you. May we, along with with the angels sing holy, holy, holy is our Lord God merciful and mighty. Father, thank you for Christ. Thank you for his cross. Thank you for his death that we should have died. Thank you that he has satisfied your wrath for us father thank you that the tomb is empty that christ is risen and that he now sits at your right hand and throne thank you father that he has promised never to leave or forsake us so today lord i just ask that you would bless your word that you would be seen, that you would be magnified, and that you would be glorified in the hearts of your children. For I pray these things in your name. Amen. So, a couple of years ago, it was probably more than a couple of years ago, as I find myself finding that things that happened like 10 years ago seem like they just happened last year, but they happened a long time ago. So it was probably more than a couple years ago, but I had turned my taxes into my accountant and uh, he did our taxes and everything. And then he calls me up and he says, hey, Mark, you have to come in and you, you and Jenny have to sign a new piece of paper. And I said, well, why? What's going on? He says, because your identity was stolen. And somebody was using my social security number to do their taxes, and so the IRS, then, as I do my taxes now, I do my taxes under a PIN number, which I'm not telling anybody. <laughs> and uh, and that's how the that, that's how the IRS identifies me. Now, is through this PIN number. And that's just to kind of lead us in there. Have you have you ever struggled with this? Who who am I? You know, who am I? What. What am I doing here? What, what defines me? What defines me? Paul, Paul Tripp has this. Uh, I get his uh, e- email on Wednesdays. And this is what Paul Tripp says as he searches for his identity. As he searches for his identity, he says, I've searched for identity, and maybe you can relate to this. He says, I've searched for my identity and my success, but my failures get in the way. I've looked for my identity in my possessions, but they age, break, and malfunction. I've sought my identity in people, but everyone is flawed somehow. I've searched for my identity in ministry, but the Spirit thwarts my pride. I've reached for identity in knowledge, but I never know enough. I've gotten my identity from my strength, but weakness took it away. I've taken identity from my abilities, but inability stole it from me. There is no place, no person, no experience, no success, no possession, no skill, no level of knowledge that can impart the security of identity, the rest of meaning and purpose that everyone desires. He keeps going. He says, so I've quit looking out and began looking up. And this is what he says. He says, I am loved. I am forgiven. I have eternal value. I have meaning and purpose. I have security and rest. I have understanding. I have moral direction. I have self-knowledge. I have peace of heart. You are in me. I am in you. This bond is enough. This bond is life. And it cannot be broken. So, as we look at baptism, baptism then is professing to the world my new identity. It's professing to the church and to the world that Christ is my Lord and I now find my identity in Him. This is what baptism is. So the word baptize is the Greek word baptizo. Very seldom I can can pronounce a Greek word, so you guys are going to get it when I can pronounce it. So baptizo, which means to dip or immerse, to fully submerge. It is the act of being completely put under, completely submerged. That is what baptized means. So, what do the scriptures tell us about baptism? That's what I want to hit on first. The first thing I want to look at, what the scriptures tell us about baptism? Here's the first thing. Jesus was baptized. That Jesus was baptized so that he would identify with us. The king of glory, the word incarnate, comes and John the Baptist realizes, I have need to be baptized by you. But Jesus says, for righteousness' sake, we must do this. So Jesus is baptized that he would identify with us. Listen to Matthew three thirteen through 15. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. So Jesus' baptism was an essential part of righteousness that Jesus secures for the sinners. And in Jesus' baptism, we see four things. The first thing we say is is that we see is it gives us a portrait of De- Jesus' death and resurrection. His death and resurrection. That's when we are baptized. We are baptized in the likeness of Jesus' death, and we are raised in the likeness of Jesus' resurrection. It's a portrait of what Jesus is going to go through, his baptism. He's going to die, but he's going to raise again. Secondly, it prefigures the significance of the believer's baptism, which we just explained. Third, it shows that Jesus is publicly identifying with those whose sins he will die for. Listen to Isaiah 53.11. The prophet says, Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Jesus bears the iniquity of his bride, of his children, of his elect on the cross. 1 Peter 3.18 puts it this way. For Christ also suffered... Once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So Jesus' baptism shows that he is the one who's going to die for our sins. Finally, it shows that Jesus is the Messiah, he is the anointed one of God. He is the Redeemer that is promised in the Old Testament. Matthew 3, 17 says this, and this is how it is. It's because of the voice from heaven. And behold, the voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So the first thing we see that the Scriptures talk about in the baptism is that Jesus was baptized. Jesus is baptized. Secondly that every baptism in the New Testament was full immersion. It was full immersion. This means that if you sit here today and you were baptized as a baby or you were sprinkled as a baby, it doesn't count. Because the Bible is very clear that it's a full immersion into water, not a sprinkling. Not a blinking this is the believer 's baptism john three twenty three says this: John also was baptizing at aenon, which means the springs near Salim because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized. There was plenty of water for people to be fully submerged. We see this with the, uh, with, with the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. And he says, And he commanded the chariots to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now, what was going on before this was the eunuch was reading the Isaiah scroll. He was reading the scroll of Isaiah, and God brings Philip to him. And Philip explains what the prophet was saying. And they come upon this water, and the eunuch says, Well, what keeps us from being baptized? And this is what they do they go down into the water. It doesn't say that Philip pulled out his canteen and sprinkled them, but they went down into the water. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on. His way rejoicing. So we see that baptism is a rejoicing. These believers that are being baptized today, brothers and sisters, this is rejoicing. This is us visibly seeing God doing this massive, massive work in their life that they want to claim Him as their Savior. Third, the act of baptism always followed faith in Christ. Always followed faith in Christ. You are not baptized to receive faith. The reason that you're baptized is because God has already given you faith. The Holy Spirit has already came into your life and he's already regenerated you. If you said the believer's prayer, which I would imagine a lot of us have said the believer's prayer or the the sinner's prayer, and um, and so forth, this is this is what you did. The reason you said that prayer was because you were saved. The reason you walked down that aisle was because the Holy Spirit has already saved you. It's the regenerating of the spirit this is something we do because the holy spirit has already regenerated us it's not something we do because we think we're smarter than somebody else that's for sure i know i'm not smarter than everybody else but it's a regenerating work of the spirit so faith always comes first faith always comes first that's why baptism is the first sign of obedience It's the first sign of obedience. Listen to what Acts 8.12 says. But when they believed Philip and he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. When he preached the good news about the kingdom and the name of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit did the work in them, they were then baptized. Acts 16.30 puts it this way. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The message was preached. And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, and you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them that same hour and night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once. He and all his family. The crazy thing about the Acts, when we read the book of the Acts, the book of the Acts is where Jesus is preached. He is proclaimed. He is magnified. He is glorified. He is edified in the book of Acts. And when people hear that message, they are instantly cut to the heart and they ask, what must I do to be saved? And they say, believe, repent, have faith, be baptized. It was instantaneously... They were like, I want him as my savior. I want to be baptized now. We see that in Acts 2. Peter preaches this message. We're going to get to that too in here. But Peter preaches this message, and they're cut to the heart. They're pierced to their heart. And they say, what must we do to be saved? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. And 3,000 were baptized that day. 3,000 were baptized that day and and added to the church. So, baptism follows faith. Fourth, baptism does not wash away sin. We have to understand that when we go down and we come back up. Baptism does not wash away sin. What washes away sin? The blood of Christ. Exactly. That's what washes us away. That's what washes away the sin. We sang it, right? At the cross, at the cross. This is where Jesus' love ran red. That's where our sins are forgiven, is at the cross. Ephesians 1 7 says this In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. We have to understand that baptism, that the water does not wash away our sin, but the blood of Christ washes away our sins. We are redeemed not because of baptism, we are redeemed because of the cross work of Jesus Christ and his shed blood on our behalf. That is why we are saved, that is why we are forgiven. And, we, and we, we see this, we, we, we can't build a doctrine on this. And, and I'm going to say this because we, we can't build a doctrine on this, but the thief on the cross throws a wrench into everything. If you do a study on the thief on the cross, you will find out one thing. The thief on the cross was not covenantal. The thief on the cross was not dispensational. Those are two categories of theology. The thief on the cross never took communion. All the thief on the cross did was ask Jesus to remember him because you want to know what he saw? He saw a king. The thief on the cross was never baptized. That's what I'm saying. We can't make a doctrine of this, but we see that that his sin was forgiven not because of baptism or what theological uh, thing he holds on to, but he was saved because of the blood of Christ. And Jesus tells him, next week, you will be with me in paradise. No, Jesus tells him what? Today, you will be with me in paradise. So baptism does not wash away sin, but the blood of Christ does. Baptism does not save you, but Jesus does. Acts 4:12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Like I said, baptism is first obedience. That's what baptism is. We are baptized because we are already saved. So, those are five things that we can look at that we can see that the scriptures teach us. Now, who is to be baptized? Who is to be baptized? All right? Turn with me, if you please. You're going to have to turn here because Angela does not have this up there. At least right now, she doesn't. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And we're actually going to look at this passage three times because it spells out three times what we really Well, what I really need to see, I I hope likewise that you really need to see. But we're going to be looking at verse 37. So who is to be baptized? Those that are to be baptized are those who have repented of their sin. Right? Now what's repentance? We all pretty much know what repentance is, but if there's somebody here that doesn't know what repentance is, repentance is a turning from our sin. Turning from our sin and turning to God. That's what repentance is. Now, is repentance a one-time act? I don't believe it is. I believe we're continually repenting. We're, com- we're continually confessing our sin. That's what we're continually doing, right? We repent of our sin. We're, we're, we're turning away from us and, and turning to God. This is who is to be baptized. Those who have repented of their sins and those who are trusting in the person and work of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Savior. As our Lord and Savior. So look with me at Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 41. And we will see both of these, right? And this is after Peter had preached this sermon, this was their response. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the holy spirit so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about three thousand souls so who is to be baptized those who have repented those who are trusting christ those are the ones who are to be baptized Also, why should we be baptized? Why should we be baptized? I mean, I just told you that the thief on the cross wasn't baptized, right? I, I really don't think the thief on the cross had a whole lot of time either, you know? But, uh, you know, he, he had a, an end that was coming a whole lot quicker. But, but why should we be baptized? First thing, it's because Jesus commands us to be baptized, That's why I was saying this is first obedience to Jesus. He commands us to be baptized. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is what Jesus says, right? This is the Great Commission, right? Jesus has risen from the grave. He is now talking to his 11 uh, 11 disciples, and this is what he tells them. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus commands it. Here is the command. Does anybody know where the command is? Can you tell me the word where the command is? It's in verse 19. Go. That's the command. Go. So Jesus says, you go and make disciples. And in this making of disciples, when he's saying go, he's saying go, preach me. Preach me. Go, preach me. And make disciples and baptize them. Notice the progression. Notice that the the command is not only just to go, but it is to baptize. That is the command. It is to make disciples. It is to baptize them, not in just any name, but it is to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then the next one is to do what? Teach them all that I have commanded you. This, brothers and sisters, this is what we are to do. This is what we're to do as his children. We're to go, preach the gospel, tell people the good news, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then bring them under your wing and teach them. Teach them. I sit in that Sunday school and I listen to what people say. Man, we have some very godly people in this church and godly people that visit this church. What a blessing Faith Bible has. Godly people. I pray that you people that are godly and ignore, I pray you have someone in your life that you're pouring yourself into, that you're just emptying your heart into their lives, all that Jesus has done for you teaching them all that he has commanded. This is why we get baptized, because Jesus commands us to be baptized. By being baptized, you're essentially saying that you now belong to Christ, and you are committed to doing all that he has commanded you to do. And that is hard, is it not? It is hard. We talked about it in Ephesians, didn't we we, we, we? we talked about that where the, the Ephesians had this love for all the saints, right? They had this agape love, this God love for all the saints. Man, I, the only person that I love that much is probably me. You know, so, but, but, we, but Jesus commands us, right? Love one another just as I have loved you. You know, be compassionate with each other, brothers and sisters, Be merciful with each other. Be sacrificial with each other. Come alongside each other. Edify each other. Lift each other up. Encourage each other in who Christ is. All that he has commanded. All that he has commanded. Baptism is not only commanded by Jesus, but baptism is the outward display of an inward change. Baptism proves that our heart has been changed. That Christ has invaded our heart. That he is our Lord and our Savior. I think this is where I have Acts 2. Listen to Acts 2, 37 again. And now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. That word heart, that word heart is the very inner person It's the seat of all emotion. It's the seat of all feeling. It's where we get our affections. They were cut there. That word cut means pierced. They were pierced there. What pierced them? The word. The logos of God. The Holy Spirit pierced them. They were cut to the heart, to the very seat of all feeling. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized. It was an inward change. It was a, said something that happened in their heart. In a Sunday school, I was struck by, by, by one of the persons in the Sunday school day, that he remembers the very day that God saved him. Man, that is awesome. He remembers the very day that the Holy Spirit cut his heart, pierced his heart, showed him the beauty and glory and majesty of Christ. Wow. I wish you were there to find that encouragement like we did. Wow. Baptism is an outer display of an inward change. Third, baptism shows a commitment to the people of God. As baptism is a commitment to Christ and loyalty to Christ, it is only natural that we would have a commitment and love for each other it's a commitment to the people of christ not only in a local body but in a universal body it's a commitment to each other listen to acts 242 this is what happens after 3000 of them were saved right we're still in that passage this is what luke writes in acts 242 and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers that like should blow us away. This was the commitment they had to each other. The commitment was to Christ and they saw that they were devoted, they were committed to the teaching of the word. They were committed to the breaking of bread. They were committed to praying for each other. This is what they were committed to. And if anybody had any need They filled that need. They filled that need. When you are baptized, and you are baptized in in the likeness of his death, and you are raised in the likeness of his resurrection, you are committing to God's people. You are committing to pray for them, to fellowship with them. You are committing to break bread with them. You know what this passage tells us? There is not a lone ranger Christian. We're committed to each other. The love and commitment to each other is displayed in the local church. Baptism, therefore, tells us five things. Baptism tells us five things. This is what it tells us. This is by uh, Richard Shepherd. He puts it this way. First of all, baptism tells us, one, you have a new identity. You have a new identity. We now never have to struggle with the thought of, who am I? We know who we are. Turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Or if I get there before you do, I'll just read it. Ephesians chapter two verse eleven. This is what this is what the apostle Paul writes. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at this time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, there you go. There's your identity. In Christ Jesus, you have. You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is your new identity. You are in Christ. Secondly, you have a new direction. You have a new direction. This is repentance. You have a new direction. Romans 6, 3 and 4 says this. Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus? We're baptized into his death. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. And in order this, just says Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We have a new direction. We have a new identity. We have a new testimony. Paul tells us in in, in the Corinthians, he says, we proclaim who? Jesus. I love it. He says, we don't proclaim us. We proclaim Christ. We imitate Christ. All of a sudden, Paul had a new testimony testimony we have that same testimony when you are baptized brothers and sisters this is your testimony you proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light fourth you have a new relationship with god a new relationship with god romans 8 if you want to turn to romans 8 you can turn to romans 8 Romans 8 says this, this new relationship we have with Christ. So then, brothers, in verse 12, he says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are, new relationship, sons of God. Sons of God. 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. New relationship by whom we cry Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. It keeps going. Isn't it beautiful? And if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we There's the yes word, we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We have this new relationship, this new relationship. And fifth, we have a new walk, this walk of obedience, this walk of obedience. And it's not a walk of obedience that is drudgery, but it's a walk of obedience because of what Christ has done for you. You want to be obedient to him. Listen to Ephesians 4, 1 1 and 2. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. So we have this new walk, therefore, this is what baptism is. Baptism then is not something we do begrudgingly but it is the overflow of the believer's joy to be obedient to the command of Jesus as the believer sees the love, grace, and mercy God has poured out upon them. This is what baptism is. So, finally, what a blessing that we have, right? At 3 o'clock today, we will see obedience, to the two ordinances God has given us, correct? One ordinance is baptism. The second ordinance is? I don't hear it. The Lord's Supper. We get to do that today too. What a blessing that we have. What a blessing that we have. So as we turn our minds, as we turn our minds to the Lord's Supper, to this one, I want you guys to turn back to Acts 2.37. I want us to turn back to Acts 2.37. Because I want to ask a couple of questions. Acts 2.37 says, Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? So my question today to you, to me, as we approach communion, is has the word of God the gospel of God, has it pierced your heart? Has it cut your heart? Has it made its way from your mind into the very seat of all your emotion and all your being? That you love nothing more than Jesus and all that he is for you. This is what it means to be pierced by the gospel to have that love for Jesus. Has he pierced your heart with his glory? He did with the apostles, did he not? In John chapter 1, he says, and we beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten. They saw the glory of God. Brothers and sisters, you want to see the glory of God You read about Jesus because he is the exact imprint and the exact representation of who God is. Has that glory pierced your heart that you find all your joy and all your satisfaction and all your identity and all your being in him? This is what the gospel does to us. There is no other name above heaven that we must be saved. If he has done this, this is for you. Take, eat, drink, rejoice in that. But if you are not saved, if you are not a believer, if you have not repented of your sin, I urge you, repent, come to Christ, trust him for your salvation. See the work on the cross for you. See God's love for you in the cross. But now what I want us to do is take a a minute as the elders come forward to pass out these elements. Be sure your heart is right with God. Be sure you're in a good spot with God before you take this. So take some time and repent of those sins that, that you've had. Would you guys please pass out the elements? The Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says this as he institutes the Lord's Supper. He says, Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and, after blessing it, broke it, gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body. So, take, brothers and sisters, eat. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's partake. Jesus finishes this by saying, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the body that was broken for us, Lord. And we thank you for the blood that was spilt for us, Lord. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins that we find in the cross of Jesus. And we praise you, Lord, that we can tell the world and we can proclaim to the world who Jesus is in our life and the work that he has done in our lives by this ordinance of baptism. And I just pray, Lord, that as we gather together again in a few hours, that, Lord, we would come and we would rejoice as these dear brothers and sisters, Father, proclaim you, Proclaim how good you are, how faithful you are, Lord, and we will rejoice. May our hearts rejoice as we see your work being done. I pray, Father, for Faith Bible. I pray for this congregation, Lord, as we go through the week. That, Father, that we would not be swayed by what others think of us or the measure of success we have but that we would be in awe of who you are and that you are our king and we are yours and you are ours and that we would hold on to this truth that you will never leave us or forsake us. Father, give us eyes to see eternity. Give us eyes to see you seated upon your throne that we would glorify you in everything we say and do this week. In your name, I pray these things. Amen. Would y'all please stand as we sing our last song? I will say for the last song, the new one. Hang on. Tight. Hang on tight.